I'm Angela Ross, and this is SoCal Voices. Does your local media really reflect your life and help you make informed decisions? Is it responsive to your informational needs? My guest today is with the Listening Post Collective, an organization that provides journalists, newsroom leaders, and nonprofits tools and advice to create meaningful conversations with their communities. I'm about to have a meaningful conversation with Quinn Mays. Quinn, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for letting me come on here. (laughs) I'm excited. Great. So why don't we start uh, with you telling the background story of the Listening Post Collective. What is it and what is it trying to do? Right. So the Listening Post Collective is a nonprofit organization. Um, We are under fiscal sponsorship of a greater nonprofit that's international called Internews. And so what the focus of Internews and the Listening Post Collective is, is working with communities to encourage, well, right now how I think of it is self-representation. So allowing communities to speak for themselves, to get the information that they need and the news coverage that really reflects what's happening in the community and the things that they care about. And so, you know, there are a lot of places where that's not happening. And part of what the Listening Post Collective is also um, associated with is the Irvine Foundation. And that is connected to what we're doing in the Inland Empire relating to kind of seeing the ways that people are making media that works for them, connecting with one another, sharing information that really they need um, and really helps them make informed decisions and really become involved in the in the the decisions that are happening around them rather than letting decisions happen, you know, for them. Mm -hmm. You mentioned just that, you know, uh, people feeling like they can't they're not part of the decisions. They're not part of the policy making. They're not part of the rulemaking that impacts their lives day to day. What are some of the other examples of the way media sometimes just doesn't just seems to have such a disconnect between the people and the stuff that they're reporting about? Give some some concrete examples of that. Well, most recently, we've spoken with some local environmental justice organizations who are dealing with the warehouses that are popping up everywhere and have been popping up everywhere in Southern California, um, the warehouse moratoriums. And so just the other day on Instagram, I saw one of my friends share that Marino Valley is trying to essentially expedite the process of making some of these decisions that are going to impact jobs that are going to impact the environment, that's going to impact traffic, our living, our health. And so in that way, locals are hearing about it at the last minute. Well, if you're hearing about this happening, you know, today, tomorrow, two, three days from now, you haven't had time to be able to incorporate that. And so you're already, you know, it's hard enough to (laughs) get go through the day to day. And on top of that, people are trying to sort of exclude you from the process, which is only going to make that day-to-day harder. So that's one of the topics. And another thing that, you know, I personally am interested in is also the way that media impacts and influences how our community is seen, you know, 
who invests in our community um, and what ways they invest in our community. And I think that contributes to part of what I just spoke to the warehouses, right? Um, people want to see, and I can't speak for everyone, but um, in my experience and, and <laughs> in my personal experience, I want to see more housing. I want to understand what's going on with the market. Um, I want to see more investment in, in affordable housing and better conditions in that way. And so and I feel that we have local uh, uh, assembly members and officials and politicians, what have you, deciding that the people who should be investing here are the people who are going to hurt us the most with things such as warehouses. Um, and so, you know, that is part of uh, the issue that I think would come from talking about our community in a better light. If people think nothing's out here, they think that there's no problem putting these sort of harmful uh, putting us in these harmful situations. And that's not, that's not fair. That's not true. There are things out here. There are things happening. There are people here who matter either way. Um, you know, my life and our life matters and, and I should have a say in what, what things are a part of my life. So, you know, kind of flipping the script on the, the idea of what it means to live in the Inland Empire as well is a big part of what being in what the media does and being involved in, you know, your local media can do. So does the um, Listening Post Collective then aim to influence who is hired in newsrooms, the people who actually get in and, and decide the editors and managing editors decide who gets what story and what stories get reported on? I mean, I can tell you from my own experience uh, if you don't have the right people in the newsroom making the decisions from the perspective you're you're speaking to, those stories won't be told. And so, you know, it's one thing to say I don't I don't like this. Uh, it's not reflective of what I'm doing, uh, of what I'm experiencing in my life. So, how does the collective ensure that newsrooms? are more responsive to the public that they serve? Is it, is it that you try to influence them or that you try to start new things or you support independent journalism? How, how does that come mm -hmm. together? Yeah, that's a, a great question to be put forth. And so you spoke exactly on the issue that there aren't people in the newsrooms who are able to really understand the community. It's people who aren't in the community speaking to us and how do you impact that? So what we do, what we support is the effort that the community is already making to speak for themselves. So we connect with people who are interested in media, who are interested in information, who are interested in connecting with their community in all kinds of ways. Because, you know, news is really vague, in my opinion. And historically for me and my, my upbringing, when I think of news, I think of scandal. I think of crime. I think of what I've seen on TV. And that's not all that there is. And there are people who care and we want to support those people in the work that they want to do. And so we provide information, resources, funding in uh, to the community to be able to represent themselves in that way. And so for some people, that is creating new projects. And for some people, that's a project they've already begun. 
and just kind of finding a way to get that project off the ground even more, you know, that is helping develop partnerships between the community. So that way there's more like a, a better flow of information. Now, in some of the previous projects that the Listening Post Collective has worked with, that, for instance, we just spoke with Spark in the Fresno Valley. That was a project that kind of had started on its own, was a website that was looking at uh, issues with landlords, housing. And as we developed our assessment of the community and what things were going on, what things people needed. So we shared that information back with Sergio, who is handling, who started Youth Spark Valley. And he was able to really kind of develop that into something that provides news and information relevant to millennials and Gen Z. And it's really amazing to see what's what's happened with that, because now the community and young people are getting involved and, and you know, finding ways to access the things that are around them and the things that are impacting them. So it's not so, I mean, and we have, there are people locally who've worked with the Inland Empire Community News and that we've been talking with and, you know, they were dissatisfied and, and decided that this isn't meeting it, meeting my needs. I, I'd rather invest in my, myself and do something better. And so that's exciting to to imagine and exciting for me to, to see that kind of develop if I'm being honest. Um, so I, I hope that answers your question about the way that we work. Um, it's not so much changing what what's here, but it's, yeah, it is creating something new and better because the information should be coming from the community, not being given to the community, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does make sense. I, I think you. It's it's more of an exchange, more of a real communication between the folks who have the ability and and power to disseminate information, and uh, the folks who are actually creating that information want it to be um, conveyed in a way that is accurate and truthful and meaningful and uh, empowers people to do things that will help improve their lives and and the lives of their community. Exactly. I like that you said it's an exchange. And I, I really do hope that it encourages people to to care about news and information and media and, and get involved. Maybe then there is a future in which people are going to the, the these legacy media companies and kind of getting their foot in the door if they can in some way and making those small changes. But I think I'm looking for the right word and I don't want to say, I don't want to use radical improperly, but I think the more, the more like uh, the one that might have a greater push is to just do it yourself. Cause it's, it, it, it can be very difficult to change someone's mind and to change a system that not only wasn't made for us, but um, was made to be against us. I'll be honest and has been that way for hundreds of years. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that in a lot of ways. <laughs> Sure. Talk a little bit about some of the specific support that uh, the collective gives to folks who say, okay, I am going to just do it myself. I am going to go out on my own. I'm not seeing this come back to me in a way that is actually what I'm experiencing. So I'm going to create my own news entity or newsletter or uh, whatever it is. 
how does the collective support those folks? And how do folks who are doing this type of independent storytelling get with the collective in order to, to partner and, and see where there are some opportunities to, to do some work together? Right. So I will say that it is very easy to get in touch. We are always open to connecting with people in a variety of ways. Right now, we are starting to really invest in Instagram. A lot of people are using social media to access one another and access information that, you know, the people around them care about as well. Um, And it's great to see people sharing in that way. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, Instagram and Facebook would be best. And that is at the Listening Post Collective, um, straightforward as well. And, and I'd usually be the person who, who ends up interacting with people, right? So that's, that's part of it is, you know, I live here and I'm, I'm always looking to chat. The way, some specific ways to answer that first part of the question that, that people that help us. A big part of that is the, the assessment that we're working on currently, because this is a process and we intend to be along for the ride in this investment. If uh, I, I couldn't find the right words for that, but yeah, we intend to go along and, and, and be a part of the process. Well, now, let me let me stop you there. When you talk about you're, you're doing an, an assessment, back up a little bit and, and explain to folks who have t- no knowledge of what the collective is doing, you know, how you decide to come into a particular community and how you run this assessment, why you do it, and then what are the implications of that? Yeah. So why we do the assessment is to be able to have tangible, data-driven reports. We want information that is backed and supported by facts. That's why a part of this is doing surveys, having conversations, connecting with people in those ways. We, you know, we listen to the community in that way. We gather it all together and then we say, okay, here, this is what we've been hearing from you. You know, let us know how you feel about it. Um, And let's see how we can use all of this information that we've collected in one place for access and and make make it work for you right and uh, that will come to a point where people will will give forth their proposals of what their ideas are what they what they want to see happen uh, for their projects we narrow that down and we start working together to say you know well what tools do you need? What tools do we have that we can provide you? What resources do we have that we we can provide you? How can we structure this to make this really happen? And it's kind of like that collaboration and working together to really uplift the projects that are, you know, put forth. Are most of the the projects, uh, ideas that are coming to to the collective, who, who are they coming from? Is it mostly Young people, do you find that it's a, a range of folks, and what kinds of uh, backgrounds do they do they bring to their projects? Yeah, it's I would say it's a range of people. It, uh, tends to be, I don't know, between twenty forty. It 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 differs. Um, we've done a couple different projects, and so it, this is an opportunity for people who are serious about investing in their future and investing in the future of their community. I'll say that much. I feel that I'm seeing a lean towards community-driven independent media. So that is 
you know, veering away from these legacy papers and kind of people starting their own reporting pro, uh, agencies, if you will, their own reporting hubs. And another thing that I'm noticing or the potential for, in my mind, is also a place for information to be verified, for information to kind of be looked into or vetted or you know, it's topical and people can kind of access what matters to them in that way. But so that's what I've seen kind of going around in terms of what people are asking for. There's also a lot of demand for more objective or liberal, moderate even coverage of issues that connects with what we're not hearing. Um, in some of the data, I've noticed people are looking for more information about what is going on with the housing cri- crisis and how that's impacting homeless communities. So, you know, that is something that with the pandemic that's growing and is still overlooked. And so people are, are, are lost. And they don't feel like they're getting what they need from the, from the, the media outlets they read or, or listen to, um, to help them make decisions or, or uh, figure out how they want to deal with these yeah, problems. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Um, it's one-sided, it's shallow there. And um, it's not, it's, there's no resources. That's a big part of it is you're presenting me with this information, but you're not prevent, presenting me with anything more. And like so how to fix like, it. Yeah. So what do <laughs> right? I, you know, what do I do with this? Yeah. Yeah. Other than, other than feel bad, how, what, what do I, what do I do and how do I, what can I do to make it, to make it different and make it better? So can you talk about some of the local entities that you're dealing with, working with right now, or is that proprietary? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, and so actually thinking about what can I, what can I do with this information? That's the best part of connecting with these local organizations is because these are people who are also presenting ways to get involved and do something about it. A big partner that we've been connecting with is the Garcia Center for the Arts. They are wonderful at you know, engaging the community, giving back to the community and and working together in that way. They're doing some local community gardens. They work with Huerta as well. Alongside that, we've been connecting with CCAJ. The other organization would be People's Collective for Environmental Justice. And some of those members have also then moved on to Center for Community Action and Environmental Justice as well. And so talking with the both of them or and, and connecting with the ways that they have worked with the University of Redlands recently just to conduct their own research and, you know, back, the, back things that they already know and understand and, and put that information forward to the powers that be to say, you know, we're not going to take this anymore. And, and we're not going to let you continue to impact our communities in, in these negative ways. Um, we've, I've also spoken with some individuals, some, one of which who is starting the um, Frontline Observ- Observer. He has actually been involved in some of the local media papers and, you know, 
or I don't necessarily know how comfortable he is with me name dropping like that. So understood. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'll just say that um, there's, there are people who are working on, on doing it themselves. And so the frontline observer is something that I, I am excited to see develop and grow people who are trying to do activism, informational activism booklets and, and how, you know, people can continue to engage in their community and and represent themselves in those ways. How how did you get involved with a Listening Post Collective? Uh, what were the things happening in your life that that pointed you towards this organization? I've always been interested in the power of media. I think that it can ta- it takes up a lot of our lives. I think it has a huge influence on the way we think. And so I went to school for media studies and that really solidified my understand. It really helped me understand even further the ways that the media can be used to manipulate. So when I came across this project, I was excited for an opportunity to engage myself in sort of addressing this one-sided situation where I'm being provided with information and I don't feel I have the tools to do something about it. Yeah, and so that's that's a lot of what motivates me is this opportunity to really get engaged and learn learn more about my, the people around me learn more about my community, learn bo- more about how I fit into the picture and that, and that this might be a way to do something because we did, we did, you know, earlier in this conversation, talk about, it can be really hard to get your foot in the door. And even when you do, how do you change people's minds? There's going to be all of this red tape to make sure that you don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And And that is, as a topic in and of itself, I could go on a lot about. When you were, um, you were in school in the Bay Area, as as I recall, you were in college in San Francisco. So what brought you back to Southern California? Yeah, the Bay is great. It holds my heart. The pandemic, things change, times change. And so that's, and I'll be honest, where I'm at in my life is a lot about really connecting with myself and connecting with my family and the people around me and kind of decentering myself, really taking the time to do what the Listening Post Collective is is talking about, which is listening to others. I went, I invested in myself to hopefully become a better person. And I now, and that's the thing that I've always wanted to be able to do. Um, I believe that you have to look inward in order to support others outwardly and that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Like, that's where I'm at. It's just, where do I fit and how can I help? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Was there a particular experience that you're willing to share that when you say you were, you're just trying to invest in yourself to become a better person and you kind of channel this through what the, the media assessment work that you're doing, was there a particular experience or series of experiences that you had that led to this? Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, as much as I loved living in San Francisco, it's very segregated. It sucks to be afforded these privileges or these new experiences and then to also feel ostracized at the same time. Wow. 
Wow, that's pretty deep. Um, what do what do you mean? Of course. Provide an example of of a time where you experience that. There's there's all this accolade, but then there's this ostracizing at the same time. I love neoliberalism. I love neoliberalism. (laughs) This idea that we are past racism and that we are colorblind is absolutely not true. And people can smile in your face and spit on your back. (laughs) They absolutely can. And, you know, um, it's time. I, I've been saying this this week for some reason. Times are changing. It's a process. Maybe that's just what I have to do to <laughs> calm myself down and accept accept the process. But that doesn't make it easier and that doesn't make it okay. And that's, that's the point I'm getting to as well, right? Is that um, it, it doesn't make it okay. So, I mean, I, I couldn't give you one specific experience mm-hmm. because, you know, sounds it's, like it's just been a general state of being yeah, exactly. <laughs> and feeling a, and experiencing. Exactly. Yeah. It's a yeah, series of, of microaggressions and, mm-hmm. and smiling and letting things slide that just can't anymore. And so mm-hmm. this is a way for me to sort of do my best to invest my, my, um, I don't want to say invest my potential, but it really to invest my energy in something that I think deserves it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it turns out into something good. (laughs) Hopefully it it does something. Um, And if not, you know, and there's, and there's not, and if not, and there isn't a hopefully because you have to put the work in. That's what I believe. So in your mind, Thinking ahead, you know, maybe a year from now, two years from now, whatever it is, if the ideal thing has happened as a result of your work with the Listening Post Collective and the partners you have in the community and all of the support that the collective has from larger entities that are helping the organization with its projects, what does that look like? for you in inland Southern California, what would be happening where you would say, huh? Yeah, we did good. We did what we set out to do. We did what we accomplished. What is that? Yeah. I want to see a greater appreciation for the inland empire. Like having a greater appreciation means talking about more than just the negative. Okay. Because I think as as a black queer person, I'm tired of the idea that my pain is paramount. Okay. (laughs) There's a lot more to my life than, than my struggle. And that's not to dismiss it, but that is to say that I am a multifaceted individual. The Inland Empire is multifaceted and (laughs) come on, like it's extremely, it's extremely shallow and dehumanizing to think that because the conversation is only focused on crime or mur- not just murder, or, or you know, um, disaster. That that's all that's going on. That's a, that's actually a fallacy, and it it just means that you have not done the work <laughs> um, to be able to open up your perception of things and realize that nothing is black and white. 
So you see a more inclusive, more reflective telling of stories of of not just the inland Southern California, but everywhere, really. Who, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, that's what you that's what you would want to see a, a more full representation of of life and people. Yeah, I want to see a more full representation of life and people. I want to see people being able to do that for themselves. And I want to see people who are proactive. If, you know, I want to see a media that's proactive about informing the community so the community has a chance to, to get involved. And ideally, I, I, you know, greater, I mean, longer than two years down the road, I hope to see that leading to more positive investment opportunities. I'm talking with some of the local creatives, you know, I love seeing all of their work. I'm a creative person myself. And the idea that we can kind of get people to come to us for our services or for our creativity or for our hard work would be amazing. And I, that's totally plausible. I don't, I mean, I understand why it's not happening, but I don't understand at the same time. So, and then that's just disappointing to be over to feel overlooked or that you know people don't haven't taken the time to see that yet so well the work that you're doing um will bring attention i'm sure where where it's needed and as you say as more of the people who you are touching realize their power and ability to do it themselves if they're not if you're not seeing what you want out there you know let's let's work together and figure out a way to make it happen especially if it's something that is um, uplifting positive and can help make the community uh, a safer and better place for everyone not just not just the powerful yeah exactly exactly all right Quinn Mays good to chat with you Thanks for the information about the Listening Post Collective. People can hop on over to the website or your social uh, to get more information about uh, the work that you all are doing. Wish you all the best. It's a challenge and um, it's going to take a lot of perseverance, but uh, it can be done. It can be done. Thank you. Yes, I definitely encourage people to come and see what we're up to, get involved, be a part of the conversations. And, you know, hopefully that inspires you to do more. So please, yeah, come by. (laughs) And thank you so much for having me on today. Um, I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I'm Angela Ross. Thanks for listening to SoCal Voices. To support the podcast, visit SoCalVoices.com slash Patreon. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at SoCal Voices.